Well, I just want to welcome you to this morning and to our service, and uh, those of you who are online with us as well and in person. Um, you saw a couple things there. One is kayak and kids, which means college age, young adult community, which I have been thrilled. I went to their Christmas dinner of some 40 to 50 um, of people in that age group, and they, on their own, decided they wanted to do something for young parents, and that's what they did, and that's what the slide you saw, um, as, as parents are now asking, when will they do it again? Um, we now have no one in our kayak group any longer. Um, <clears throat> and then Ash Wednesday, we encourage you to be a part of that service um, for all ages, and we really want it to be a meaningful step into this whole time of the passion of Christ leading to Easter. It, it's really it's really easy to go into Christmas and into you know all the preparation and we don't necessarily have the same kind of preparation, but we are going to ask you to enter into that as we go into this time of passion and we invite you to that. The other thing I want to just mention to you is that we're in this process where we've brought to the congregation um, one of the resets is a name change. And we are so grateful to those who have been a part of our congregation for years as we've been Wyzetta Free Church and how God has used that name and the people to bring us to this point. But we believe that God is calling us to a new um, a new sense of character and direction in how God wants to use us in this community. And so we unveiled a few weeks ago the name Westgate Church. And West meaning we are in the West and this primary area of communities that we are serving is the West, but we want to touch and influence the entire world. And yet gate meaning simply Jesus is the gate. And just like in this morning in worship, we want to bring people into an encounter and experience with God. We want people to come into the presence of God. And we know of no other way that that happens, but through Jesus Christ. And we also are the body of Christ. And so in the same way that he says, I'm the light of the world, at one point Jesus says, you're the light of the world. He says, I'm the gate, and in a sense, you are the gate to bring people where you work, where you live, wherever it may be, you have the opportunity to bring heaven to earth, to bring people into the very presence of God. And so we want to do that and say that in that way. Um, Thursday night we had a communication meeting, and, and the question was raised, and I don't know if we did this well, but I want to make sure this is really clear. The question was raised, are we leaving the Evangelical Free Church? Are we leaving our denomination? And I want to say this clearly, that's never been a part of the discussion through the Elder Board or Leadership Board at any point. We are going to be still a part of our denomination, but we really want to make clear that we believe God is calling us by a new name. He does that at times in history. He calls an Abraham, uh, Abram, Abraham, a Sarah, Sarah, a Peter, a Simon to Peter, etc. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to stand. I had a message prepared I was excited to give already, done by Thursday, and then my weekend is, you know, just really letting that message soak into my heart. And then Friday morning, I just sensed the Lord saying, you can't give that message. There's a spiritual formation term called desolation and a word called consolation. And I had this sense of desolation. I really wanted to preach that message. I had some videos, some stuff on it, and I felt like the Lord saying, no. I want you to speak about what's going on right now in our world situation. And so 
um, through the thoughts of a friend of mine, John Ortberg, and through my thoughts and putting some things together, I'm going to share with you something I wrote yesterday. And I would ask that you would open your heart right now, here in person and online, and ask God to speak to your heart. Let's bow our head and pray. Father, we said we want to surrender, which means let go of our our need to control, our need to build what we think is the right tradition or religion or way, and we want only one way. We want to come through the gate of Christ, and we're asking that you would speak to us, Jesus. Fill us in this room, Holy Spirit. And I pray to anyone who is in a place where they're struggling with incredible anxiety and fear, with guilt, and realizing in your heart that you've gone away from God, or you're hearing this and you're going, I'm not quite sure, I want to be inside with God, I don't know what it looks like. God, would you move in all these places, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. So, I'm going to sit down and read, I think, a little bit. Uh, because as I thought about this, I thought as we'd be meeting, and so there's you online. I know some of you can't come because of things in your life, but some of you, I'm just going to challenge, should be here in person. <laughs> but I want to say, um, for those of you in person, you're sitting in a space that has traditionally, historically been called a sanctuary. Now we call it worship centers and all kinds of other things, but Traditionally, it's been called a sanctuary. And a sanctuary defined by Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, has two basic definitions. It's a consecrated place and a place of refuge and protection. So literally, in a sense, right now, those of you here in this sanctuary are sitting in a place that is holy and safe. Historically. And yet today, with all the events of the last week and the last few years, our world does not seem safe, right? And it does not seem necessarily holy. We have gone through a COVID epidemic. We've gone through racial bloodshed and injustice. And we've experienced a politicized hatred and division in ways that we haven't experienced before. I know it's happened many times in history, but... It doesn't really matter because when you experience it, it's, it's, it's just tough. There's off-the-charts mental health concerns. There's epidemic loneliness. And now, kind of what put it over the edge for me is that we're sitting on the edge with the trauma of the invasion into Ukraine by Russia. And with this war in Ukraine, you may be filled with fear and questions, I have been filled with anxiety and I have wondered, what will happen next? How long will this be? How much will be destroyed? How many lives will be lost? And we don't know. And there's a verse in the first chapter of Genesis, if you turn in in that very beginning in in chapter 6, And it is just prior to Noah and the flood. And in that verse, verse 5 and 6, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become 
on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was troubled. God looked over the entire earth. And he saw violence and hatred and division. He turned to Fox News and MSNBC and to see, he turned them all. Where they exaggerate the truth in order to divide people to get something that they want. And he saw a continual inclination of the heart towards evil. And it broke his heart. I thought on Thursday after I'd finished my message that I was going to share with you on Proverbs 3, 13 through 35, that we just needed to pause and ask some questions. I had to ask myself how, I just couldn't go on with where we were going because I, I asked myself, how does a pursuit of wisdom intersect with all that's going on today? Is it right to continue in this series, Get Wise, when our world seems to be falling apart and we seem to be getting dumber and dumber? But it's not funny like the movie, right? The psalmist states it in Psalm 46. He says, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That's a great picture of what's going on. And a lot of times when the psalmist would speak about this, he wasn't speaking just about physical actions. All physical actions were often to point people to things that were going on spiritually. He was pointing to what was going on in the heart being expressed in the physical world. And he kind of says, what do you do? And here's where the message applies. What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to get wise in the current, the currency of this, of this contemporary world? How do we apply wisdom? So I wanted to share with you just a couple thoughts. When things like this are happening, we wonder why? How can the world seem to come apart like this? And then I think secondly, we wonder, how should we respond to something like this? Do we merely keep doing what we've been doing? Is life just go on as normal? What is our response as followers of Jesus? So the first question, why, and what's going on? Why is this world falling apart? I'd like to read to you from a book called Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. And... um, this is, next week, I think it's next week that I've got in the message, or one of them coming up, this idea that one of the things we don't do well as followers of Jesus is really apply ourselves with effort to understand things. And this is one of these books that you can't read through in a couple days. I had some guys in my um, guys group, one of the guys group I run, they're in the 20s. A few of them went through this book and it took them months and they're smart guys. It took me years. Anyway. <clears throat> here's what, here's what Dallas Willard writes in a little section called Helter Skelter. 
And Dallas has been making the point in this book that in our day, people have a really hard time acknowledging the reality of evil, even exists. Until something catastrophic happens. And then we can't avoid it anymore. And here's what he writes. The man who prosecuted the infamous Manson family, Manson murders, some of you are too young to remember this, but those of you do. The man who prosecuted the infamous Manson family for their murders wrote a book titled Helter Skelter. The phrase was taken from a song by a well-known rock music group. Anybody name that group? Okay. What album? Well, there we go. You guys are so good. The phrase was taken from a song by a well-known music rock group, and Manson used it to characterize the state of confusion in which he kept his followers and himself as well. Because evil requires a state of confusion in order for it to be sustained. And that is not true just on the other side of the world. That is true in my own heart, in my mind, and in yours too. Now here's the key thought from Willard. In a state of helter-skelter, nothing makes sense and everything makes as much sense as anything else. Should I read that again? In a state of helter-skelter, nothing makes sense, this confusion, nothing makes sense and everything makes as much sense as anything else. So, for example, he writes, when you cut someone's throat or stab them repeatedly and they die, you didn't really kill them. And they didn't really die. That was Manson's teaching. Evil is always that way. It requires a state of confusion, helter-skelter. So in the garden, when this snake... The serpent comes to this couple and he says to Eve, did God really say you wouldn't die? Did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden? So invading soldiers just becomes peacekeepers. And an assault on a nation becomes protection from genocide. And before we get a little too proud, we all do that in order to rationalize and deny the things we want to believe deeply in our hearts. And evil proliferates when you justify or confuse evil as good and good as evil, whether it is an act of aggression on another nation or on another person whether you live with them or you work with them or you go to school with them or whatever it may be. Dallas Willard makes this statement, resolute actions for the good, so determined actions to do good, resolute actions for the good requires that things make sense. If you're going to do good and you're going to build something, you're going to make something better. Here's what it, it, it takes, resolute actions for good, and it needs to make sense. You wouldn't want someone caught up in helter-skelter to work on your lawnmower or your computer. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, in a time of confusion within that church in Corinth, 
which they had many, and Paul was often writing to try and relieve them of all the confusion. He finally writes, God is not the author of disorder and confusion, but of peace. Not just peace like everything's all kind of quiet. It's shalom. It's an essence of deep integration of how the spirit begins to work. It's what's promised in the garden. It's what's promised forever when it talks about resurrection life. It's shalom life. It's what you can experience today. It is what you can experience today in a submitted, committed relationship to God where you interact with him. Like I've said over the last few weeks, you, you interact, you, you, you know best that which you interact with, right? You know your kids a lot better than me. You know your parents a lot better than me because you interact with them. So as you interact with God and his word, he promises to begin to work into your life an integration that brings about a wholeness. Not immediately. Sometimes it creates even more disorder because he has to begin to reorder our heart's desires. So back in 1939, as the nation of England was facing world war for the second time, C.S. Lewis gave a talk to a group of undergraduate students who had come to Oxford. England had just entered the war um, against Hitler and, 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 and Nazi fascism. And these college students that were coming were wrestling with the question, does it even make sense to study things, to go to school, and the world is facing such an extreme crisis? And he was asked to give this lecture, and he chose to. And he called it learning in wartime, which is much more than a response during times of war and crisis. It's really a response in which we are to live daily, and I'll explain that in a moment. It's about doing things that God has asked us to do in times of crisis as well as in everyday moments of our life, even when it doesn't seem to matter, when it doesn't even seem to make sense. Lewis writes this. The war creates absolutely no new situation. He's writing again to these students who are experiencing in wars there. It's new. It's like Ukraine has just now been invaded by Russia, and he's basically saying there's no new situation here. The war creates absolutely no new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human condition so that we can no longer ignore it. So think about it. Everyday babies die of starvation needlessly. All it requires is is really a generosity and people coming together and using wisdom. There are children, 12, 13, 14 years of age, who are sold to a life of slavery through human trafficking every day. People die of homicide weekly. Children are shot while jumping on trampolines. 20-some amount of individuals are shot almost every weekend in Chicago. Horrible things occur every day. Violence is sheltered behind closed doors. Oppression is wielded like a weapon on the hearts of the innocent. But we're used to it. And really, all that happens when war arises is that we can't pretend that we're used to it anymore. The catastrophic event, says Lewis, is what awakens our soul to the very condition of our heart. Lewis continues, human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. We are 
mistaken when we compare war with normal life because life has never been normal. So every day in our not normal world, he went on to say we're called to follow Jesus. And I know this is really personal as I talk about this to some because I know there are people within our own congregation talked with someone yesterday, one of our medical doctors who had worked shoulder to shoulder with another medical doctor from Ukraine who is now praying for that family. I know of some of you have pastors and, 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 and connections with churches over in Ukraine. We, we have a couple that we send who has been a part of our, our missions group, Carol and Becky Miller, who have been leading people to understand what it means to know Jesus and to follow him in Poland and areas around Eastern Europe. I'm guessing most everybody has been touched by some degree with what's going on here. My wife told me as I went up, just before I came up, she said she was saw from a friend of hers who was talking to someone, a, a pastor in Ukraine, and what I found really interesting is what she said was, they said in the churches that are there, that are planted there, as they're there, they say pray for safety, but far more than that, pray for people to come to know Jesus Christ. Pray for a world to understand that that. There is a condition of our heart that needs to be ordered by God and only Jesus can do that. There are many troubled hearts going out to individuals and families. There is suffering and pain. There are soldiers on the front lines. There's innocent people who get killed. And every single person is a child of God. And as we read in that word, God's heart breaks. God's heart is deeply troubled. Lewis wrote that there are particular barriers that keep us from doing what we are supposed to do. And one of those particular barriers that comes up in a time like this when it's catastrophic and we understand it and we see it because life is not normal like we think it normally is, is fear. And one of the biggest fears that come up in this time is death. But as my friend John was sharing with me, death has always been around. It doesn't change anything because the enemy is death. The reality is that every one of us is going to die. 100%. Right? But we know, if we follow Jesus, that he's conquered death. And that's not an enemy anymore. That doesn't mean you don't have fears. It doesn't mean any of those other things aren't real. But we can live free from this fear if we trust the reality that God has us in the palm of his hand. So when we look at war and the present crisis and the fears before us, it is wise to remember the only safe, catch this, the only safe place to live, war or no war, is in the hands of God. This world is no less safe today than it was yesterday because death is coming for all of us, 100%. But it is in these words that we ever are conscious of that we live with, that we trust on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. And to be a follower of Jesus means that safety does not get tied to external circumstances, right? Right? 
No matter if the supply chain is disturbed or the stock market goes down or the price of gas goes up or as I look at it go, oh man, my lifestyle might be less convenient and it may be negatively impacted by it. They may be our fears, folks, but they don't need to control us. Those are ultimately not the questions that a Christ follower has before his mind. The question we ask is this. In this time, God, how can I be useful? As one who follows Jesus, I have a shepherd. My life is in your hand. And perfect fear, I know, drives out. Or perfect love drives out fear. I don't need to live in fear. I, by the power of God, can begin to continually keep my mind going on the fact that this God has the ability, as I continue to recognize that he's my shepherd, to live in perfect peace. That doesn't mean you don't have fears. It doesn't mean you have to deal with them, because a lot of things is part of the formation process. But the question that we live with is, God, in this moment, how can I be useful? It's like the church that asks, don't just pray for our safety. We'd like that, but pray for people to come to know Christ and be saved. So Lewis, as he gave that, said to the students, here's what you need to do. You need to learn and study with all diligence. Give your best to become really skilled and competent in what God is calling you to do. Dad, mom, banker, teacher, doctor, nurse, lawyer, computer engineer, volunteer, retiree, whatever it is, The question is, God, how can I, tomorrow, this day, be useful in your hands in this world that is troubled and has troubled your heart? How can I bring love and courage into a trauma-filled world that troubles the heart of God? So the second question, which we will cover much more quickly... I've already shared with you a little bit of how to respond. But one of them is this, pray for peace. Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Timothy, the first chapter, the first Timothy, the second chapter, first four verses, Paul basically writing in a time when Rome was persecuting believers and, and, and Nero was emperor and things looked really bad. In fact, were really bad. He just says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving can be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Amazing that he's praying for kings, those ones that you can't stand that are persecuting you. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. Cry out to God for mercy. Whether it is some 5,041 miles across the ocean in Kiev, Ukraine, or whether it's 11 miles down the road to North Minneapolis. And I just got to say this, church, I am so thrilled with how you have supported and, and, and a number of you have been so involved as we've gone to North Minneapolis. And for two years now, on a Monday afternoon from, from noon to one, We gather, a number of us, as well as others from North Minneapolis, our church, you, gather with the church there, and all we have done is prayed. Until at one point, 
The police chief and the consul and some others asked if our churches with some other churches would begin to patrol four hotspots, which we did on Saturdays, and we saw crime go down. In fact, all the drugs and, and, and the, the, those who were hanging out there left, and people came out and said, I can feel like I can breathe here again. Prayer is not something out of fashion. Jesus said when he came to them in, in, in Luke 18, and he gives a story of a widow and an unjust judge who cared not about God or anything, he said, well, I find you praying for peace, which will involve looking at our hearts, which will involve asking the questions, what can I do tomorrow to, to bring love and courage into the place that I live? And then the last is um, do good. I'll just read James 3.18. It's, it's just two paths of wisdom, one from, from, from um, down south and one from up north heaven. Okay? And he just says, those of you who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap it a harvest of righteousness. So you have, again, the opportunity to go, okay, God, death is 100%. Your best and safest place I can be is in your hands. And I'm going to pray for peace and I'm going to do good. I'm going to bring the best of what I can into the situations that are before me. One of the ways can be, um, it's just simple ways. Just ask God how you want to do it. Um, again, I want to just say as a church, and we had this lined up before this message and and this was even part of where God led in my life and that was um, in a moment I'm going to ask Dr. Kazim and Narat and their family to come up a number of years ago you as a church said let's take this family a refugee family that was in persecution in another country in Africa and we brought them here and we opened up this yellow house and you have allowed for them to be in that place and God has done amazing things in their life. Um, so would you guys come forward? I'm going to ask you to come forward. <clears throat> you come on up here, and Dr. Kazim, if you would be here next to me, and we're going to just take a moment. And if you would just um, share uh, your children, their age, if you would mind, and uh, point them out. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Kazim. Uh, this is uh, Nurat, my wife. Uh, my eldest uh, daughter, Adija, is in Winona State University right now, uh, studying uh, nursing. Uh, she's 20 years of age. Um, this is Alia, my second child. Uh, she's in eighth grade. Uh, she's going to be turning 14 in May 29. Uh, this is Symbiat. Symbiat is in fifth grade and is uh, 10 years of age. This is uh, Azizad. Azizad is in second grade. He's actually uh, eight years of age. And this is Wendy. Wendy is in fourth grade and Wendy is six years of age. So, Wendy, is that an African name? No, I'm just kidding. No, Wendy. <laughs> just a joke. I am so excited because you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to read what you wrote, and then I'm going to ask you to just share your thanks to God. 
And uh, you, you wrote to this church family, you said, on behalf of my family, we sincerely appreciate the kind gesture and generosity and love the members of Wyzetta Free Church bestowed on my family since November 2018. When it appears the hope was lost, you came to our rescue. You did not only provide us with accommodation, clothes, and shelter, but also restored our hope in humanity. The good news on our part is that we are now equipped spiritually and somehow on the right path of economic spectrum. Narat has successfully started her business in the cosmetic industry, so anybody wants some cosmetics? <clears throat> and is doing well. Her business is now registered in the state of Minnesota and with the federal government. And recently, Dr. Kazim uh, was recognized by the University of Minnesota for exemplary award in teaching. Uh, it was appointed as the Assistant Director of Undergraduate Studies in School of Statistics in the University of Minnesota. And here's what's really exciting. You were approved this past September for a new home, which you have already moved into. And we thank God for that. My family, he writes, will be indebted by the graciousness of the members of Wyzetta Free Church. And he listed a bunch of those of you who know. You are amazing as you keep in touch with us to make sure we are good to those all who attend. Thank you for ensuring that our families in good standing physically, economically, and spiritually. Our prayers are that the God Almighty will answer all your silent prayers. And all I wanted to say was when it comes to doing good, sow seeds of peace. We're not going to settle the refugee, but we can take one and make a difference. Don't get overwhelmed with what's so large. Just think of what is it you want me to do. What's the one seed of peace to sow today, tomorrow, and the next day? Right? So, Kazim, I'm so excited for you guys. So would you go ahead and just, I, I asked if you would just read for us, and I had it up here as well, your thanks. And then I'm going to ask if you would pray in your mother tongue. Um, for those of us who understand this language, good for you. But I'm, I'm honestly, honestly more concerned that he can speak from his, 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 his heart. And God knows his words and his prayers are effective and we can hear with our hearts and spirit his heart. So would you just go ahead and, and share that? Yeah, uh, before I go with yes. uh, my wife, uh, because she's the engine room, I, I mean, as far as prayer is concerned in the house, she's actually going to do that. She's going to pray. In my mother's tongue. Okay, great. Okay, good. So, um, appreciation to God for ourselves. Firstly, we thank Almighty God for His amazing power and work in our lives. We thank Him for His goodness and blessings over us. We adore Him that His word teaches us the power of gratitude. We appreciate Him for bringing hope through even the toughest of times. Strengthening us for his purposes, we give him thank for his continued presence and never leave us. We seek for forgiveness where we don't thank him enough for who he is, for all that he does, for all that he has given. God renew our spirit, fill us with peace and joy. We love God and we need him this day and every day. We give him praise and thanks for him alone and not worry in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Amen. There's something I'm actually going to add. Um, you know, 
in the, in the, when you are when somebody is facing crisis or when in, you know whether in the middle of trial or temptation or whatever, I believe faith is not enough. But what is so, uh, what is necessary and sufficient is having faith and exercising courage as well, because uh, having faith without courage, you know, one could be overwhelmed. And I remember Joshua 1 9, he said, Haven't I commanded you that you should be strong and courageous, that your Lord of God will always be with you? So, whatever crisis you are passing through right now, believe that Almighty God is there for every one of us. Thank, Thank you. you. I got to tell you, I'm going to have, you're going to pray so Narada, if you'd come over here. <clears throat> I did, he had two sheets of what he was going to preach. So, down afterwards, no, afterwards, I'm gonna ask if you would come, we're gonna just have, um, the family here, and if you would just like to come up and just say thanks and God bless you or whatever, I'm gonna encourage you to do that. And if you would close us with prayer, remember to keep the mic close, and then I'm gonna ask this congregation if you would stand as well as we close. I would like to start with singing. I like singing first before prayer. Yeah. Baba eshe anui duro Baba eshe anui duro Torik meshe Torik meshe o Torik meshe anui duro Ebani fun owo lagbara to fi gba wa oluwo se o oluwo se o oba won ba o se o amu ope wa oluwo e gbo ope wa amu ope wa oluwo e gba yin wa ni oruko jesu iwo olorun oba to po ni pati agbara awa fi declare vasata free church affiliate lowo oluwo olorun eledumare oluwo e ba wa dimu oluwo ma je o daro oluwo e ba wa dimu oluwo e ba wa dimu ta ba ri gbugbu okun gbugbu edakera to wa ninu church yi to n bere fun anu re to n bere fun gbugbu 
ti won le be lomi so to je pe wo lo lorun eledumare to le ba so oluwa dupe oluwa wa gba adura won oluwa wa gba adura won iwo lorun to po ni pati agbara awa fi orilede america fi le lowo baba ogumajo sele baba otemajo sele awa fi ukraine ati russia ti won ja lowo lowo afi le wo lorun alaye lowo oluwa ba wa dawo ogunduro oluwa ba wa dawo ogunduro nitori pe wo lo lorun ti ko ye pada nitori pe wo lo lorun anu baba anu re majo ka kuro ni oruko jesu christi oluwa wa amen jesu amen thank you thank you thanks you guys thank you hi wendy thank you thank you so i'm going to ask if you would come up and just greet them and we're so glad i'm just going to close father thank you we love you and praise you and together we said amen thanks